This morning, we will continue our series on comfort doctrines, number five, lesson five. And we've looked at various different teachings of once always saved and um, saved by works and alone and, and those types of things, just to name a couple of them. We also established that God is comfort and our Lord is comfort, um, but comfort to those who obey Him, and that's the key. And this morning will be no less but uh, concerning that topic, and it's entitled, Excusing Certain Types of Sin. In particular, Sins of Ignorance. We want to continue this to which in which it was designed to give comfort and remove the consequences of one who refuses to repent of some sinful activity uh, to refute that doctrine, if you will. That one one refuses um, that sin must be repented of. Examples, well, again, there were, we've talked about no hell, salvation by works, different types of these comfort doctrines. And today we want to notice some categories of sin that are dismissed by some. In essence, there are those who acknowledge that it is possible to lose one's salvation, but not probable unless one is rebellious in their sinful conduct conduct, and that's what some teach. In essence, they don't want to give up their sin. Some want God to excuse certain sins, and some want God to excuse and overlook those sins that we are not aware of, if you will, and we'll entitle them ignorance. There's three types of those, and that being one. But also the second, that God understands our weaknesses and will not hold us accountable for such because of our nature is one way of looking at it, some will teach. But as long as that we are sincere, our sins will be covered. Sincerity will take care of those things. As with all the other comfort doctrines that we've talked about, we've examined, such attitudes are most dangerous as they enable one to live without having to repent of certain types of sins. Usually one who advocates such things will lump whatever their sinful conduct is into one of the above categories that we just mentioned. And let me say this morning that sin is never acceptable to God. One might say, well, will God overlook sins of ignorance? First thing in the point this morning that I think that we need to lay out <coughs> is what is sin. The word sin in the Greek language is, is 
characterized as missing the mark. Much in the same way that one who is shooting a bow and arrow misses his target or the bull's eye, if you will. Of course, in the Bible, it has reference to one who misses God's mark in his word. In other words, he fails or she fails to obey God's laws, either by omission or commission of that which is forbidden. We do what God forbids when we term it commission. Sins of commission is when we commit those sins in which God has forbidden. In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4, whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. And James writes in James chapter 2 and verse 10, he says, whoever stumbles in one point of the law and keeping of the law is guilty of all. The second form we have commission is that of omission. James chapter 4 and verse 17, Therefore to him who knows to do good and doeth it not, it is what? Sin. And then number three, we act in doubt. <clears throat> if you go to the book of Romans in chapter 14, in verses 22 and 23, that's the third one, is when we act in doubt. Chapter 14, in verses 22 and 23, the Bible says, Hast thou faith, Paul writes, have it to thyself before God? Happy is he that condemneth or judgeth not himself in that thing which he alloweth or approveth. You go on in verse 23, And he that doubteth is damned or condemned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith, for whatsoever is not of faith, what? Is sin. We act in doubt. And we need to understand this morning that that part of the ignorant sins really factor in in Romans 14 and 22 and 23. And we need to understand that Romans 6 and 23 says, For the wage of sin is death. But he answers that. He gives a reason behind that or right under that. And he says, The gift of Jesus Christ. These are eternal. That's how you take care of those sins. But then in Romans 3 and 23, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 1 John 1 is read just the morning. If we say we have no sin... He says the truth's not in us. We're a liar because all have sinned. So what is necessary for sin to be forgiven? If you've never obeyed the gospel and been baptized for the remission of your sins, you are living in sin. Maybe you've done that and you have failed to repent. You're just like uh, Simon the sorcerer in Acts 8 and 22. 
He was told to repent of his sins. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just in cleansing us from all unrighteousness. He's going to forgive us. He's faithful to forgive us. You see, this morning we must understand, and when we're talking about sin, our first point, we must understand that we cannot sin and be pleasing to God. We need to be faithful. And if we blind ourselves to one sin, that's a serious condition. And a lot of people have been found guilty of that. Blinding ourselves to our own sins. When we talk about sin, and you read in 1 John chapter 3 and verses 4 through 9, that elaborates upon uh, this nothing that a Christian, we cannot continue in sin. This is talking about one who continues in the sin and not taking care of that. One says that uh, uh, one of God cannot sin. But it's talking about one who continues and refuses to repent of those sins. Cannot here means that we do not have God's permission to sin, if you will. As we quoted last week, Romans chapter 6 and verse 1, Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who die to sin live any longer in it? And note that both of these passages that we just talked about are addressed to Christians. Paul's writing to Christians. And he says they call for faithfulness as children of God. And we have established in this study that one can fall from grace and be eternally lost. And we've noted that while works uh, do not save within themselves, we still need the grace of God. And we need to understand the different types of works that's found in the New Testament, as we talked about in the previous weeks. Yes, this morning, you're going to sin. But don't justify it. Don't look for someone to pat you on the back and say, oh, it'll be all right. We have a commandment to repent of those sins when we find ourselves in sinful conditions. And we often look for, for uh, churches or, or ministers or whoever to pat us on the back and say, it's going to be all right, just don't worry about it, straighten up, don't do it again. That's not what God teaches. You see, one seeks to justify sin in any best of his ability. But there are those who teach that God overlooks certain types of sins. And that source of false, a source of false comfort to one who, who, who can use these as an excuse or a crutch to continue in those things. And it's a comfort doctrine that you and I must avoid. Point number two, sins of ignorance. It's sometimes rationalized that if one has never heard the gospel, I've heard this through the years, and we'll talk more about it later on in the sermon, that it's unfair to condemn them. Usually what they have in mind when we're confronted with those questions 
is some remote location in Africa or Asia or, or someone that has never been exposed to civilization in the Bible. And such illustrations in those, those difficult times when, when people bring those things up are then used to rationalize. Now watch it right here. They're used, those situations that they bring up, a lot of people do, it's used to rationalize that if there is something we are ignorant of, 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 of God, God will not condemn us for that. We use the rationalization that if he will excuse them, he will excuse me. Perhaps maybe they are saying it this way in their appeal is secret sins. David spoke about that in Psalms 19 and verse 12. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from my secret faults. But I ask the question. But is ignorance an acceptable excuse? Do we have an excuse to stand on the day of judgment and say, God, I didn't know any better? An example, ignorance did not change what the law says. When you go back into the Old Testament in Leviticus chapter 4, which is devoted to sins of ignorance, in it we read that he's speaking to the children of Israel and saying, if a person sins unintentionally against any of the commandments of the Lord in anything which ought not to be done and does any of them, and in verse 3, he says, if the anointed priest sins, bringing guilt on the people, then let him do what? Offer to the Lord for his sin, which he has sinned a young bull without blemish as a sin offering. In Leviticus chapter 4, as you're looking in your Bibles, if you go on to verse 13, if the whole congregation sins unintentionally, he says, in verse 22 of chapter 4, he says, when a ruler has sinned unintentionally, verse 27 of chapter 4, if any one of the common people sins unintentionally by doing something against the commandments of the Lord, in anything which ought not to be done, and is what? Guilty. So in each of these, when their sins came to, the, to attention, to their attention, they were to be addressed and sin sacrifices offered. They had to make things right. In Leviticus chapter 5, as while you're there in the book of Leviticus, in verse 17, if a person sins and commits any of these which are forbidden, if they've missed the mark, if you will, to be done by the commandments of the Lord, though he does not know it. Now watch it right here. Yet he is guilty and shall bear his iniquity. And I know we're not under the old law. I understand that. But we do know the nature of God, don't we? It carries over into the new law. You take and you go to the book of Ezekiel <clears throat> in chapter 3 in verses 18 uh, and 20, I believe there. Chapter starting in verse 18, the Bible says to us, When I say unto the wicked, thou shalt surely die, 
And thou givest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life. The same wicked man shall die, watch it, in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at whose hand? Thine hand. Verse 19, watch it. Yet if thou warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered what? Thy soul. Again, in verse 20, when a righteous man doeth turn, or doth turn from his righteousness and commits iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die because thou hast not given him warning. He shall die in his sin, and his righteousness which he hath done shall not be remembered, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Now, this describes the responsibilities of teachers and preachers, and we as Christians. We have the responsibility to warn the lost even back in the Old Testament. Notice that if the lost had, had, is not warned, he still perishes, but God will require it at your hand. You notice in 1 Timothy chapter 1, in verses 13 and 15, Paul says that he was the chief of sinners, and he acted, what? In unbelief. Paul in Athens in Acts 17, in verse 30 and 31, in times past God overlooked ignorance, but not anymore. But he commands men everywhere to what? Repent. Paul knew that he had acted in ignorance. Paul knew that he, 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 he was not learned, and that's why he persecuted and done what he did. But when he comes to that realization, and you remember it well, don't you? on the road to Damascus, and he was not saved on the road to Damascus. But when he came to that realization and was taught and was told what he should do, he repented of those things and made a change. You take and you look at Matthew 7, 21, 23, it's not enough for one to say, Lord, Lord, we must obey I think we need to know here how they thought they were acceptable to God, but their knowledge was lacking. Ephesians 5 and verse 17. God, do not be unwise, but understanding what the Lord is. But now back to that thought. What about that person in some remote tribe who has never been exposed to the Bible? First, let me say, anytime that you hear the statement, what if arguments, there's a red flag. When you start hearing that, what if? You better listen carefully. While such times it's legitimate sometimes in those situations to show consequences of sinful conduct, but other times it is used to dismiss sinful conduct in people's lives and provide comfort where there is none due to God's commandments. And you must ask, what is that person's motive? Or what is your own motive? This morning we asked the question, can we biblically justify that one in that remote area? 
Biblically, we cannot. If we do that, we tend to say that there is two ways or two paths, two different paths to righteousness. And we cannot justify that person because he has not obeyed the gospel. He will stand, and let me say this, he will stand before God and a just God and answer for his life. And I know God will carefully judge him. Sometimes we need to be careful not to whittle, as I've heard it said in the times past, not to whittle on the end of God's stick. And we need to leave things to God. If we pronounce that one is like that, uh, is saved, then again, we're, we're pronouncing two ways of salvation. And most of the time in those situations, the person or persons that's presenting those arguments, they've heard the gospel. They've heard it many, many, many times and know exactly what they need to do. But they're seeking comfort. And usually arguing with someone who has told them to repent. So let me ask you this. If ignorance is bliss... Also, if ignorance is an excuse, why should we make efforts to teach the lost? Think about it. A lot of times we hear that. Ignorance is bliss. If I'm ignorant of something, I don't have to be accountable for something. Finally, even David in Psalms 19 in verse 12 we spoke of it earlier that his secret sins needed to be addressed. That's why he mentioned them. When we honestly examine ourselves, how do we view our ignorance? Do we really believe God will hold us accountable when we have failed to seek his will? Now that's a serious and honest question this morning. Do we really believe God will hold us accountable when we fail to seek His will? How many today really know God's Word and will? How many of us are depending on the preacher or the Sunday school teacher, if we, even if we go to church, to inform us of all of our needs? Not dismissing that purpose, but individual responsibility to learn and work out their own salvation. What if they're wrong? What if that person you're putting trust in is wrong and they advise you wrong? We need to be checking it out ourselves. Point number three, as we close this lesson, <clears throat> just in a few moments. What about comfort? God doesn't want us to be ignorant as we've seen. At one point, God winked at ignorance. But now he commands every man everywhere to repent. He has provided for us. Now watch this, 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. He has provided us all things that pertain to life. And watch it. And godliness 
through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. But you know what? It's up to us to seek it. It's up to us. Jesus himself said in Matthew 7 and 7, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Know, and it will, or uh, knock, and it will be opened unto you. You see, this is a context where our Lord tells us that God wants us to know. James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives it liberally, or gives to all liberally without reproach, and it will be given to him. Verse 6, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. This morning, I do not believe that God will deny anyone. He is truly searching for the opportunity to hear the truth. The truth will be provided. God will not deny anyone who is diligently and sincerely searching for the truth. But I guess we have to ask the question on the back side of that, but how much effort are we putting into finding the truth? Where are we looking? There's true comfort in knowing that we can know what His will for us is. But let us never cease to search for it. There are many such attitudes with which, which people try to excuse their sinful conduct. I'm very fearful today that many are willing, willfully ignorant of their sinful conduct. Notice I said willfully. Ignorance is bliss, as the world teaches. They don't want to really know the truth. They really don't want to know that. Like Paul's brethren in the flesh who have a zeal for God but not according to the knowledge, there are many who being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish what? Their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. Romans 12 and verses 1 through 3. They seek to establish their own righteousness and not submitted to God. It's my hope that we have seen that such is unacceptable this morning. And even more, that such does not apply to you or I. In the next couple lessons, we're going to look at sins of weaknesses and those who use sincerity as an excuse. This morning, sins of ignorance.
You've heard the gospel preached. You've heard what you must do to become a Christian. Why do you wait? Why do you wait? Why do you put off becoming a Christian? We're not promised tomorrow. There's, few, there's only a few guarantees that I can give you. That there's a heaven and there's a hell. That you will live eternally somewhere in one of the two places. And the other thing is that we're all going to die. And I can give you certainty that you can live in heaven when you obey God's will. When you truly seek to do what's right. You've been taught. Maybe you're in Sunday school classes as a kid and, and you've been brought up in the Lord's church and maybe you've never made that decision to become a Christian or maybe you have and you've fallen away from that. Maybe you're that husband. Maybe you're that wife that needs to be that example. Maybe you're that young person that needs to be a better example to their friends or to their family. And we had two repent Wednesday night and it says they hadn't been good examples to their children, to their own brothers and sisters. You don't see that much. What a great, uplifting, exhorting situation that was Wednesday night. What's for me? I went home happy. I don't know about y'all, but I went home happy and excited that there is still good young people who have good, honest hearts in this old sin-filled world that actually care about their brothers and their sisters. <laughs> y'all know the situation between brothers and sisters often. But this morning, maybe you need to come. Maybe you need to repent. Come back home. Don't rely on ignorance. So if, I, if I don't acknowledge them or if I suppress them way back there and I forget about them and I put enough time between the time that I committed that sin and, and the time the Lord comes back that maybe God will forget about them and, and I forget about them and I don't worry about them anymore. Let me tell you, God's not going to forget them. They're there until his blood washes them away, or until those repentance and prayer is done on your behalf, those sins are still there. So tonight, or today rather, what's your need? Don't rely upon the ignorance. Don't rely on ignorance is bliss. On your own righteousness, rely upon God. This morning, whatever your need may be, please come. Together we stand, and as we sing.